welcome back for the first time in a long time to line them up. We're here to line up some baseball today, talk about the second half of the season, and here to line up things with me, as always, is Brendan. Hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody. Glad to be back from a nice long vacation. I'm feeling well-rested and uh, ready to get into some baseball. And then joining us in the co-host seat is Eric. Woo! Welcome back, everyone. Happy to have you guys back with us in the fourth seat. It's been a whirlwind of a season, and I'm excited to talk about it with my boys here. It has been a whirlwind of a season that has sort of unfolded while we took a little bit impromptu break. Just, uh, you know, life got in the way, as it tends to do. Uh, But we are back. We are back to discuss baseball. And what a perfect time. We have just passed the trade deadline. Trade deadline was uh, Tuesday earlier this week uh, that we are recording. And there was a flurry of activity, but boys, I don't think we can get into any of the trade activity without first talking about the Juan Soto deal that sent him from the Nationals to the Padres. The Nationals have now clearly entered uh, their you know rebuilding stage. They have given up on this season. They have probably already given up on next season, if we're being honest. And they have traded away perhaps the best player in their franchise history. Certainly uh, perhaps the best player in the franchise history with their time in Washington. Meanwhile, the Padres get one of the best players in baseball, only 23 years old. And he's under team control for a couple more years. They're, I would assume, going to sign him to a mega extension sometime in the near future. So... I know how I feel about how this reshakes the order uh, of the sort of MLB powers that be, uh, but I want to hear from you guys. What do you feel like this Juan Soto trade does to the MLB landscape going into this second half of the season? You want to start it off, Brendan? I'd love to jump in. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's like, you know, I'm viewing these things as there are three very clear-cut Tier 1 teams. Um, obviously, that's the Dodgers, the Yankees, and of course the Houston Astros uh, up in tier one for me. And the name of the game at the trade deadline usually uh, for the rest of the teams is to establish yourself toward the top of tier two and make it as likely as possible that you get your shot at those tier one teams uh, and hopefully pull out a series win, even though you're probably unfavored against some of those big, uh, those, those big name teams as I previously mentioned. Uh, and, and obviously, with the addition of Juan Soto, the San Diego Padres immediately shoot to the top of Tier 2 for me. I wouldn't be as bold to say as they immediately go into Tier 1. I don't think they're on the same level as those three teams I just mentioned, but I do, I do think that they're very much ahead of the rest of the Tier 2 teams, which I will, uh, you know, I'll, I'll elongate. Elongate? That's not the word. I'll elaborate more on the... Uh, tier two teams in a bit as we talk about the playoff landscape. But uh, yeah, I mean, you add a superstar like that and you get the bonus of having him for a couple more seasons on top of it. You know, the Padres get three playoff runs, playoff chances with the addition of Juan Soto. And of course, Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back soon from injury. And I think they are, uh, you know, they're a force to be reckoned with as we enter September here pretty soon. So let me just cut in here with uh, two things. First, let me go over the details of the trade because we probably should have mentioned that for those unfamiliar. The Padres received both Juan Soto and Josh Bell, who is also having a really good season 
for the Nationals. He will slot in at first base. Uh, Juan Soto will slot in in the corner outfield. They send two players that I think are going to make immediate impacts on the major league team in Washington. That is first place, first baseman slash designated hitter Luke Voigt and left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore. They also send uh, prospects C.J. Abrams, who has had a little bit of time at the major leagues, but is starting his time in Washington in the minors. Uh, outfielder Robert Hassel, outfielder James Wood, and right-handed pitcher Jarlene Susana. All that being said, I want to go to Eric here because Brendan just said he doesn't have the Padres in sort of the tier one of groups of teams, maybe just on the outside looking in in tier two. You're a Dodgers fan. Your team is very clearly in tier one, and your team is going to butt heads with this burgeoning superpower in the San Diego Padres for the rest of the season and the rest of the next couple seasons. Do you, Eric, currently see this Padres team as a tier one team with the addition of Soto and Bell, or do you still think there's ground to make up? Yeah, thanks, John. Let me let me help elongate this discussion. Yeah, thank you, you very guys. much. Uh, mm, yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with what Brendan says. I, until the Padres uh, show what they can do in the actual box score, um, I, I would not promote them to that next tier. I, I respect a lot what they're doing. They have a very formidable lineup with Juan Soto and Josh Bell. They also got Brandon Drury in another uh, trade. They still have Manny Machado. They're getting added Josh Hader as well. Which... Yes, added Josh Hader in their bullpen. Sorry, go ahead, John. You want to? No, no, no. I just make sure that 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 was thrown in there as well. I mean, we'll get to bigger trade talk uh, in just a second as well. But Josh Hader is now a Padre as well, coming from the Brewers. Yeah, and they they have Tatis coming back from IL. He's starting to warm up. Um, Profar's having a good season at the top of the lineup. So they have a very formidable lineup. Very scary for any uh, pitching staff that's going to pitch against them. Uh, You Darvish is having a great season, but. I mean, these last two games show that they can still be inconsistent. I mean, uh, Sean Manaya had a, a struggle against the Dodgers team. Joe Musgrove struggled against a Rockies team. They can still give up a lot of hits uh, to opponents. And until they form that consistency that they really need, I don't really consider them making a big splash in the playoffs because I still think that this is a team that can still lose to any of those Tier 1 teams. They can still lose to even uh, any of the tiers below them. Um, whether it be the Mets, the Braves, um, if the Phillies make it, Cardinals, Brewers, I think all these teams can still beat the Padres um, despite their large acquisitions. So I, as a Dodgers fan, I'm, I respect what they're doing. I think they're definitely a dangerous team that we should respect, but I don't necessarily believe that they're going to overcome uh, like the, the lead that we built on them um, and that we will have in the postseason. And that's, that's a fair point. I mean, you know, it's one thing to acquire all the players. It's another thing to go out and have those players elevate the level of play that we've seen from this team as of now. Uh, it's worth noting that right now the Padres are currently sitting as the second of three wild card teams, uh, meaning that they would, if I understand the new playoff format correctly, they would be going up against the first of the two wild card teams while the third wildcard team would play the worst division winner, if I understand that correctly. Yeah, that's uh, correct. so, so right now we're looking at a Padres-Braves matchup uh, in the first round of the playoffs. And so I, I guess it's, it's left to be seen. Uh, that'll certainly be a big test. And then 
probably awaiting them is either the Dodgers or the Mets if they can pass that test against the Braves. Now, there were a couple of other big trades that went on uh, or on the trade deadline, and so let's touch on those just a little quickly. Uh, we did mention that the Padres, in addition to acquiring Soto and Bell from the Nationals, they acquired infielder Brandon Jury from the uh, Reds. He will slot into that lineup as well. They acquired Josh Hader to be their closer from the Brewers. Uh, Luis Castillo goes from the Reds to the Mariners. Uh, the Yankees make a move in adding Lou Trevino and Frankie Montas from the Oakland A's. And the there were a bunch of other moves. Uh, any moves, either the ones I just mentioned or some that I have not mentioned that really stood out to you guys as difference makers? Or maybe was there a team that you thought should have made a bigger move, thought should have gone more all-in, and didn't? Uh, kind of stayed pat at the trade deadline. Um, I think there are some interesting trades. I think, for example, uh, Andrew Benintendi got traded to the New York Yankees. Um, New York Yankees let go of Joey Gallo, sent him to the Dodgers. Um, I believe the Yankees made another trade that I'm blanking on right now. Oh, you already said about Frankie Montas. Yeah, so I think the Yankees did do some fortifying moves. Uh, they are one of the best teams in the AL, um, and I, I think those moves should be respected. We'll see if those players can get any sort of groove in going in New York. Uh, I, I think that'll help. But along the way, I think the Astros also made uh, some interesting moves. Uh, they got Trey Mancini from uh, John's Orioles, and then they also traded away uh, Jake Odorizzi. I think uh, a lot of shakeup in the top teams in the AL. I think that will be an interesting matchup when, and I do believe it will be a when, uh, the Yankees and the Astros play in the postseason. I think those are the most interesting on my side because I think that is a lot of the heavyweights uh, moving around some chess pieces to kind of uh, match up eventually. And I, I think that will be a fun series to see what those players can do when postseason comes around. Brendan, is there any trades that stood out to you or – Maybe teams that were quiet that you thought should have been more active? Gee, I wonder why you set me up for that question, John. Yeah, uh, as the obvious resident St. Louis fan, big, big disappointment for me, not just because we missed out on the Juan Soto deal, but, uh, you know, I really thought that Mazalak was going to do a lot more this year to tool up and try and push us toward the top of Tier 2, as I was alluding to with the Padres. But I really don't feel like he did that given the de the deadline moves that he made, you know, adding Jordan Montgomery right at the brink of the deadline was, I, I, it's, it's tough to describe because I mean, yeah, it adds to a need that we have and shores up our rotation a lot. Uh, but giving away Harrison Bader for a pitcher that doesn't really push us that much further up the line, as I'm mentioning, uh, you know, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. And, you know, it's hard for me to be excited about Jose Quintana. I get that he will help our rotation, but, you know, he's obviously not a long-term uh, addition to our team, and I just really don't feel like they made the moves that they needed to to be really a threat at all in the postseason, and that's, that's frustrating as a fan, obviously. But uh, one other trade I wanted to mention, as Eric mentioned already, was the, the Trey Mancini deal to Houston, I think, John, obviously you know the value of Trey Mancini, not just on the field, but off the field for a team. And 
Uh, I think that he's going to see a big uptick in home runs going from Baltimore to Houston. Uh, obviously well-known pitchers and hitters parks, respectively. So I think he will be very valuable for the Astros going forward as they make their uh, postseason run. And Eric, I'm fully with you. I can't wait to see an eventual Yankees-Astros series at some point this, this October. Yeah, I think it's inarguable that most of the real big playoff competitors in the AL got stronger. The Yankees got stronger. Uh, with the moves that they made. The Astros got stronger in adding Mancini, uh, shaking up the bullpen a little bit, and in adding Christian Vasquez to split time at catcher down there. Uh, The Seattle got stronger. The Mariners got stronger in adding Luis Castillo. The Blue Jays made some moves to shore up their bullpen. The Twins added another player from the Orioles, Jorge Lopez, to be their closer. He was the Orioles' all-star this year. Uh, So he moves the needle when the White Sox and the Guardians, uh, the team sort of chasing the Twins, were more so quiet. Uh, So I would say, yeah, all of the big-time contenders in the AL, they seem to have gotten stronger. I don't know that you can say exactly the same thing for the National League. Honestly, the Brewers seem to have gotten weaker, uh, and the Padres obviously got stronger. The Dodgers are still the Dodgers. They didn't need to get stronger. Um, so it's an interesting landscape, and it's something we'll go through sort of division by division in a second. Uh, I did want to touch on the, the the Trey Mancini trade. He's already off to an amazing start for the Astros, by the way. Uh, three home runs, seven RBIs in four games. So the Astros seem to have gotten exactly what they needed in sort of more offense out of that first base position. Uh, the Orioles, I thought, got a really good return. Oddly enough, much better than of a return in the Mancini trade than they did the Lopez trade, even though I personally would have thought that uh, Jorge Lopez was the more higher value asset. Um, but I think what the, the more than, you know, what we get back, anything like that, I think Trey Mancini will truly be missed in Baltimore. He had a special connection with the city. He went through uh, cancer uh, as a member of the Orioles. And I think that, you know, bonded him to the city in a unique way. Um, and it was really fitting. I don't know if you both saw this, but in his last at bat in Camden Yards in Baltimore, he hit an inside the park home run by blasting a ball, probably a hundred or so feet into the air into right field, into a sun field. And then it bounced off of, uh, Josh Lowe of the rain of the, uh, Rays, his face bounced off his face and turned into an inside the park home run. So that was pretty freaking special. Yeah, I did see that. That was that was a cool moment for him and uh, definitely a fitting way for him to end his Orioles run. But, yeah, I, I agree with all the sentiments you've, you've mentioned already, John. I think he'll be a great addition for the Astros and obviously tough for the Orioles to give up, especially as they're in the midst of a surprising wild card race here. But, um, yeah, yeah so think- let's get – Let's get into that race. Let's 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 dive into the playoff race. You know, we've talked about the trade deadline, but let's get into what this actually means for the last two months of the season. And we've randomized the order in terms of or or sort of handed out randomly who's going to talk about which division, who's going to lead the discussion. Eric got the AL East, so I want to go to Eric first. Given everything we've just said about the Orioles, the Yankees, the Rays, the Blue Jays. We haven't touched on the Red Sox so much, but the Red Sox are in there as well. 
What do you feel like is going to happen in this division, Eric? You boldly predicted that this would be a four-team uh, playoff division, so four teams out of the AL East in the playoffs. Do you still feel like that's a good possibility? Yeah, as John mentioned, I, I predicted four teams from this division, uh, the Blue Jays to basically get the one seed, I believe, if I remember correctly, then the Yankees and the Red Sox and the, then the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Um, I did not expect the Baltimore Orioles to do so well that we've been talking about lately, but the Baltimore Orioles are four games over 500 right now, and they're definitely playing much better than the Boston Red Sox, who have been an absolute disappointment uh, and made very little moves at the trade deadline. I think the Baltimore Orioles definitely have a shot. I mean, they're off to another win streak, four-game win streak uh, in the AL, and I, they're chasing the Seattle Mariners right now, um, and I guess the White Sox and the Guardians are also in that race as well. So we'll see how that shakes out. I think they have a chance, but however, like we just talked about, they traded away Trey Mancini, who is a big part of that roster. They traded away um, their all-star closer. So they're making great moves for the future. So I, I think it's very difficult for them to make that sustained success. Um, for example, like the Mariners last year also traded away key pieces um, and they weren't really able to make uh, a big splash um, at, at the end of the year. Uh, so I, I think kind of the Orioles kind of reflect that season. And I think um, it's a lot of positive sentiment this year that can be carried on into next year, hopefully. Um, but I, I expect a lot of these other teams to also get hotter. Um, the Yankees, I think, will still stay on top. They've been a hard-hitting team. We'll see if they can stay healthy, if their uh, rotation can stay as dominant as they should be. I think they have been inconsistent, but they have given up um, one of the fewest runs allowed in the entire uh, Major League Baseball. Um, Blue Jays have been kind of a disappointment. They haven't been able to chase the Yankees, but they're still hot and able to make a splash in the playoffs. I, I think we'll see if their rotation can make um, kind of earn some more consistency against uh, a lot of tough teams that have been getting much better at hitting these pitchers. Um, and I, I'm not as convinced as I was at the beginning of the year that they can you know, be as powerful as they can be in, in the postseason. We'll see if the Rays, they, they've been kind of up and down, I think. Um, they always make an interesting postseason, but um, I don't know if they're going to be uh, able to make as much of a postseason run as they did a couple years ago. So I think I think this division is clearly run by the Yankees, and the other ones will just have to play out to see who's going to make the postseason. John, you got any disagreements there? Well, so I, I first just want to address the fact that it is – August 6th when we are recording this and the Orioles are very much playoff relevant. I don't think anybody anywhere, even the most optimistic, you know, media members, Orioles fans within Baltimore would have expected this to be the case. You're right. Uh, more likely than not, this is not the year that they actually pay off that promise with a postseason appearance uh, they, much to the ire of a lot of Orioles fans, did turn into sellers still at this deadline in shipping out Mancini, in shipping out Lopez. But they have every opportunity in front of them because, especially in teams like the Blue Jays and the Rays, they're going to play them plenty down the stretch. And, you know, when you have teams, when you control your own destiny, essentially anything could happen. I think this Orioles team has proven that they can hang with just about any team in baseball. Uh, they may not always, you know, win every series. They may not be the favorites to win any series that they go into. 
but don't take them lightly because they can and will beat you. Now, yeah. the the question... I, I, I completely agree. I'll just throw two shout-outs real quick because I'm interested in the storyline of uh, Cedric Mullins and Jorge Mateo being... Uh, having 26 stolen bases for Jorge and 24 stolen bases of Cedric, only behind John Birdie. So I think um, these have been absolutely killers on the base path. So I, I've been um, excited to see if they can continue to uh, steal the stolen bases crown um, in, in the major leagues. And I, I think that will be interesting also to play in as they like make a lot of stress for the pitchers as, as they make base. Brandon, what did you, what did uh, you want to add to the conversation? No, I was just going to say I overall agree with Eric's summarization of the Yale East. I think he had a an excellent job. Um, what I would just add is that it's always tough when it's a young team like the Orioles overperforms expectation heading into the trade deadline, and they kind of unexpectedly find themselves in a position of, you know, maybe we could be buyers and maybe we could make a postseason run this year. But uh, I think they made the wise the wise decision to stick to the original timeline that they had laid out. You know, this is obviously a very young team. They're going to continue to improve and very soon sooner than later they will become buyers at that these deadlines but uh, i think if they had jumped the gun this year it could have hurt their their competition window and uh you know tough for orioles fans to see them kind of pull out right here at the at the finish line but definitely the right decision i think yeah and and again i don't think there was a wrong decision necessarily for the orioles to make but it, it is what it is and we'll see what the results are uh now i want to move from the al east to the al central Sticking in the American League, because I think we should go through all of the American League first, and then we'll get into the National League. Uh, This is probably the most interesting division race in all of baseball, just because you have three teams that are grouped so tightly. Uh, In basically every other division, the division is either already decided as to who's going to actually be the division winner or it's maybe a two-team race. Uh, But in the AL Central, you have a true three-team race. I think it's right to say, and and you guys can chime in and disagree with me, but I think it's right to say that both the Twins and Guardians have outperformed expectations up to this point. Uh, I think we definitely expected this to be a pretty easy division to win for the White Sox, and they have not lived up to that at all. Uh, They have played better as the season has gone on than they did necessarily in the first couple of months. Uh, And they still certainly have the offense to really make a run at, at this division crown. But Minnesota was really the only one who got better. They added Jorge Lopez. Uh, They made a couple of other trades to strengthen the roster. They kept Carlos Correa, which I don't think was a certainty when they signed him that after the trade deadline, they would still have him on the roster and so the fact that they, you know, add Jorge Lopez, they add Tyler Maley to their rotation, uh, it's a big deal. And I think I would still have them as the favorites, uh, maybe just slightly above the White Sox. And then with the Guardians, it's a case of like they have a couple A plus players at key positions. Ho- Jose Ramirez is still one of the best players in all of baseball. Uh, Shane Bieber is still a great pitcher and can win you any games. Emmanuel Classe is freaking electric as a closer, so he is hard to ignore. But I still just feel like the roster around them is probably going to run out of gas before the end of the season and, uh, you know, not really make the biggest of playoff pushes. Kansas City, Detroit, massive disappointments this year. They've taken steps back. 
Uh, so they're not really in any useful conversation. Do you guys see it sort of the same way? Do you maybe like one of the White Sox or the Guardians a little more than I do? Yeah, I'll, I'll chime in. I think that the, you know, your assessment of the Twins overperforming this year, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it looks as if they've overperformed because last year they underperformed so heavily. But, you know, they've got a two-game lead on this White Sox team that has massively underperformed this year. And the Twins are only six games above 500. Yeah, I think we'd be having a different conversation if the White Sox had performed somewhere close to where we had expected them to, and they were, you know, say 62 game winners compared to 54 where the White Sox currently sit, and they had a comfortable lead on the on the Twins right now, people would be saying that the Twins are, you know, performing as expected. I would say they're they're a little better than 500 team, but the fact that they're sitting atop this division in the Central right now makes it look as if they're a better team than they really are. Now, John, I do agree with you that they've made a lot of good additions, as you mentioned, at the deadline, whereas the White Sox did not. I still have the White Sox winning this division just because they're going to get healthier. They're going, they're, they've already shown that they're improving on their play, and I think a two-game deficit is not much to make up. And as you mentioned, I do think the Guardians will fall off, so I think this is a two-team race. The only question I would throw to you is do you think – more than one of these teams makes the playoffs. Will any of these teams land in a wild card spot, or is it only going to be the division winner that we see come October? I would lean towards it only being the division winner. Eric, I'd love to hear your thoughts, though, on uh, whether or not we could see two teams out of the Central. I mean, I'm pretty pessimistic in all these teams, kind of like I think how you guys are implying. None of these teams are particularly um, showstoppers at the moment, uh, and I will lean toward the Twins. I am impressed by how well they've turned it around. I did expect them to kind of push the White Sox this season, um, as we kind of uh, talked about it at the beginning of the season. Um, I, I, but as I look through this team, this Minnesota Twins team, there's like no one else, or, or like no one in particular that um, I would particularly call out that I think is making. Um, like I guess I don't know particularly how this Twins team is 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 winning <laughs> this many games. I guess I haven't watched that many Twins uh, games in general. But I'm, I'm impressed that they've been able to do so well. We've already mentioned, like, Carlos Correa, but, like, Byron Buxton has almost double amount of home runs as anybody else on this team. Um, they did uh, shore up their bullpen a little bit with the trade with the Orioles. And then uh, individuals like Joe Ryan are leading this uh, pitching rotation. So I, I, as long as they can keep it up, which I, I think is a big if, uh, I, I think they definitely have a shot. And I think I, I guess I'm more pessimistic about the White Sox. It, it sounds like they haven't been really to get anything going consistently either uh they have a lot of key pieces that we are all optimistic on at the beginning of uh this year at the end of last year but they haven't been able to really get it going no one has been really able to uh, or a few of the key pieces haven't really been able to stay healthy as well like elo jimenez has been inconsistent for example one of their key pieces so uh, with that said I, I think it's mostly the twins that i'm leaning on to win this division and be the only one to uh, make the postseason from this division. Yeah, it, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, the one thing I will say that the White Sox have that the Twins do not and still do not have despite their move, the White Sox have a true ace. If you have not watched Dylan's Cease pitch this year, Dylan Cease is disgusting. Uh, he has probably the best slider in baseball in 2022. Uh, so if you haven't watched him, go and watch him. But uh, all that being said, I still expect the Twins to win. Now, moving on to the AL West, 
and this was randomly assigned to Eric, so we will throw it back to Eric. Uh, tell us what you think, Eric. Is there any intriguing storylines for you coming out of this division down the stretch? I mean, the most intriguing for me is the absolute disappointment of the Angels. I think you guys were both optimistic about the Angels uh, making a splash, at least a, a chance to make the wild card, and I think I thought so as well. Um, but they've been absolute stinkers. Uh, their pitching rotation has not been great. Mike Trout's been injured, and there's been questions about his longevity at this point now. Um, there's talks about Shohei Atani being traded, but him still being on the roster. Uh, Anthony Rendon's been, I, I think, on season-long IL. I could be misremembering. Um, so this team is absolutely a non-existent story. Um, optimistic about the Athletics and Rangers. They're obviously not in play at all. Uh, both well below 12 games below 500 so not really in the division race um, but i think there op there's optimism for next season uh, for both of those teams that i won't really go into uh, we already talked about the astros they made some great acquisitions at the trade deadline obviously one of the best teams in the al uh, we already mentioned that i expect the astros and the yankees to go head to head in the postseason because clearly they're the two best teams in the al uh, and they have absolute uh dominant pitching at the moment with uh, Framber Valdez, Justin Verlander, um, I'm missing someone that I know I'm not giving respect to right now, um, like Jose Uriquiti, I believe is the Uh apologies, thank you, John. Um, so I, I think they have been absolutely dominant on that front. And then, um, so I won't go into the Astros that much either, but then the Mariners, I think is an interesting race. We'll see if they slow down to give the Orioles a chance. We were kind of joking about that earlier, I know. Um, the the Mariners, I think, I think they're a good enough team to make the postseason. Um, they uh, made the acquisition of Luis Castillo. They're going to get Mitch Haniger back from the aisle. They're going to have a lot of uh, power in the lineup um, that I think is going to compete well enough against um, the rest of the AL just fine. Um, so I, I have a lot of faith in the Mariners making the postseason. Um, even above, for I mean, I'll put them above the Tampa Bay Rays um, at the moment, and I mean, I think they're almost on the level of the, the Blue Jays, I guess, uh, is in my mind, who have been underperforming this year from my perspective. Um, so I, I think I think the Mariners are definitely a shot to make an upset play in the postseason, um, and I'm not sure if everybody's calling that right now. I mean, I think the, I think you're spot on. I think the Mariners should make the playoffs they're talented to, enough to make the playoffs uh julio rodriguez their young superstar and absolute favorite to win al rookie of the year is banged up right now so that's something to watch but i, I think they should definitely be the favorites for that third wild card spot if not uh earning a higher place among those wild card teams and i'll just say this about the angels uh i believe i said this in the preview episode and i will reiterate it I will never, until they show me something else, put any faith in the Angels. They could go out and add Max Scherzer, uh, you know, whoever else. Max Scherzer, Aaron Judge, all of these players. And I would say, okay, it's the Angels. They're, they're going to be a 500 baseball team at best and miss the playoffs. Like, that's just where I am with, it, with them. Uh, it'll be really intriguing to see if someone like Shohei Otani doesn't stick around because of this. But... I think that's really all that's worth saying about the Angels. Uh, Brendan, is there anything that you want to add on the AL West? Again, pretty cut and dry division. Uh, the Astros are going to win it. The Mariners probably should make the playoffs. But is there anything else that you want to add uh, for, for the other teams? 
No, I mean, couldn't agree with you guys more. I think the analysis was spot on. The only question I would add to both of you guys, uh, which is the Astros being half a game back of the Yankees right now for the best record in the AL and the one seed, obviously. That could be a big factor if they meet in the playoffs, as we are hoping. Uh, who do you guys have finishing with uh, the one seed in the AL? So I think it's pretty clear inside track for the Astros. Uh, and, and not just because they play in a much worse division. The Yankees are going to have to play a lot of games down the stretch against the Red Sox, the Rays, the Blue Jays. I believe their season series with the Orioles is already done, or at the very least, they're not playing any more games in Baltimore. They may have a couple in New York. Uh, All of those teams, I think, are better than anybody else the Astros are going to face within division, uh, except for the Mariners. So, not only that, throw all that in there. I just think the Astros are a better team. I I really do. And we've seen it play out when the two have faced each other. Uh, The Astros have a far and away winning record against the Yankees this year. And so I think they will not only win the race for the number one seed in the AL, but I just think they are the better team. Eric, you agree with that? I still believe the Yankees are the better team, but I I will say we're looking at record-wise, the Yankees do have a tougher strength of schedule for the remaining rest of the season uh kind of how john is alluding to particularly because houston plays in a weaker division um they get a lot more matchups against the a's for example and the angels um but i think i did mention uh in an offline chat uh with you guys that i do believe that the yankees are a better team and then if they do have home field advantage they would i would give them a 60 percent chance to beat the astros uh, but with that being said with the strength of schedule in mind i think the astros do end up getting uh the, the number one seed in the AL, uh, and that will be tough luck for the Yankees and I kind of cap what would be a disappointing season if they don't make the World Series or even win the World Series. Yeah, I'll break the tie, and I'll side with John here. I think it's a big factor to look at while we're, while we're approaching playoffs just because the Yankees are obviously built to win at home. They're 41-15 and 15 at home compared to 29-22 and 22 away. So it's going to be you know a big disappointment if they miss out on the one seed, especially if they lose – you know, in a series that goes down to the last game and it's not at home to the Astros. Uh, that would be, you know, a big storyline to follow. But I'll, I'll side with John and say the Astros take it. Especially since Garrett Cole's ERA is about double on the road at what it is at home. Like, I'm not even kidding. It's, it's, it's that much of a disparity. All right, so we've covered the AL. Moving to the NL. Let's start in the NL East. And this one was randomly assigned to Brendan. So we get Brendan's first chance to lead a discussion here. Pretty interesting division. Not quite to the level of the AL East, just because the Nationals and the Marlins are not that good. But what else do you think, you know, what's your take on on this division, Brendan? Yeah, certainly certainly an interesting division to follow toward, you know, as we approach playoffs, but... Um, I'm happy I got randomly assigned this one just because I get to hate on the Phillies some more. I think they're awfully comprised uh, baseball team, and I don't really understand even how they're 10 games above 500 right now. And I will say this until we, we hit the 1st of October that I have to be the number one Phillies hater in, the, in, you know, in all of the MLB space right now just because I don't think that they have what it takes they play such horrible defense and they've gone all in on just all offense and hoping that their strikeout pitching will get them there. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm not, but I don't think the Phillies are a playoff team. 
I think they'll fall off by the end of the year, which leaves us with just the Braves and the Mets, who are obviously two forces to be reckoned with in the NL. Uh, it's much closer race than it was to begin with when the Mets got off to a super hot start, but uh, only being three and a half games back, I think the Braves will make it interesting down the stretch. However, I do still have New York coming out on top of this division and the Braves most likely ending up as the number one wildcard team in the NL hosting um, the second wildcard team, which would come out of the National League. And the only other thing I really need to add is I'm pretty disappointed with how the Marlins have performed. They kind of felt like another team that was supposed to be hitting their competition window starting this year, maybe next year. I thought they'd maybe make a splash. I think preseason I had them finishing third in the division. And, you know, they've kind of wholly been underperforming throughout the entire season. There hasn't even really been any stretch of the season where you can say, wow, the Marlins have looked really good for this last week or two. It's just kind of they're playing sub-500 ball every single week, and obviously that's not going to get you very far in a division that has two uh, big teams right now with the Mets and the Braves. Yeah, I'm glad you shouted out the Marlins. I mean, we should give a shout-out to Sandy Alcantara, who's having a phenomenal season on the fast track to win NL Cy Young, I believe, um, with a – I think I think he leads like by a fair margin in that NL Cy Young. Maybe uh, I have maybe I'm behind, but I believe he's like the odds-on favorite at this point with 1.8 ERA um, and like I don't know 15, 16 quality starts. I believe um, having an amazing season for the Marlins, but obviously the rest of the Marlins team is not helping um, with uh, getting this team on track. Uh, I think the Phillies are, are an interesting play. I mean, I think. Uh, they're, they're right in the thick of it, and they have enough power um, on their, their roster. Bryce Harper's been on the IL for ages now, um, and I don't think he'll come back until September. Uh, but the rest of the team is, has been hard-hitting, I think, and uh, the pitching staff has done a reasonable job. Um, I think that's where some of their uh, deficiencies come into play. Um, but I'm, I'm impressed by how well they've kind of stuck in this race, and I think they have a solid chance to kind of steal a spot from the second team in the NL Central um, that we'll eventually talk about. Um, Atlanta Braves, I think, are an interesting play. I think they still have a shot to win this division. I predicted them to win this division. Um, they have been solid throughout the year. Um, Ozzy Albies has been IL. IL. He'll be coming back in mid-August, late August. Um, but the rest of the team has kind of been carrying this just perfectly fine. Um, Austin Riley has now a 10-year contract extension and will stay the face of the Braves for a long while. Kuna um, still been... Um, playing very well with this team, and this pitching staff has been actually crazy. Max Fried, um, Jack Flaherty's best friend, is pitching so well this year, I think, and will continue to carry this Braves team. Kenley Jansen has been doing pretty well, decently in the in the as their closer role. Um, they still have a pretty scary bullpen, I think, and this is a team that has been consistently making a splash in the postseason. Um, so I, I will still predict them to be the best team in this uh, NL East. I love the Mets team. Fantastic pitching, uh, disgusting pitching, honestly, with Max Scherzer, uh, Jacob DeGrom coming back. Um, Carlos Carrasco has been pitching well. Uh, But I think this Braves team is going to show that they're a postseason team and they're going to kick it in the gear in the last couple months. So I I only have one question uh, for you guys about the NL East. Brendan led off the show saying that the the, the NL only has one Tier 1 elite team in the Dodgers. How far do you think the Mets are from being that team? 
Like, do you think it's possible that the Mets can show enough the second half of the season to be considered in that group as well? Because personally, I do. Um, given that this is kind of my tier that started off this discussion, I'll say that the Mets, for me, are in the one, I mean, the uh, 2B category. So, as I mentioned before, the Dodgers are the only one, the tier one team in the NL. I have the Padres in that 2A category as the only 2A team. And then at the top of 2B, I would put the Mets and the Braves uh, along with the uh, Cardinals in 2B. And then the rest of tier two, I would have the Brewers and the Phillies. Uh, I don't like to be too overconfident, but yeah, I would put the Mets, Braves, and Padres a decent distance away from a healthy Dodgers team. I think it'll be much closer gap if the Dodgers do start to get injured, such as Clayton Kershaw going on, on IL. But I think right now, this is these are teams that are inconsistent, I think, even though they're almost 20 games over, 30 games over, um, 500. Um, I, I think in the postseason, I think it will change a lot. And I think that the Dodgers team is a team that's formidable enough to um, be ready for the postseason. While I, I still question about that, about the Mets team, who has a notable uh, amount of young players that um, may not be ready for this postseason. We'll, we'll just have to see. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think the Mets can get up there. I, I really do. But uh, fair enough. All right, let's transition to the NL Central. Uh, I'm going to make this pretty short and sweet and then also probably set the world on fire a little bit because here's how I view the NL Central. You have two teams, obviously, that are far away above the uh, other three teams in the division in the Brewers and the Cardinals. Those are the only two teams that have any realistic chance of making the playoffs. Those are probably the only two teams that are going to have any realistic chance of making the playoffs for several seasons. Uh, The Reds are on the decline. The Cubs, who really knows? The Pirates are, I wouldn't say necessarily on the decline, but they still have a lot of work to do. Both of those teams, Cardinals and Brewers, sit at 58 and 48 at time of recording i feel very confident in saying that whichever one and and i would give the edge of the cardinals because again the brewers i think took a step back in trading josh Hader and didn't really do anything to bolster their success they still have you know really good starting pitching they still have devin williams in the pen but all the questions that we've had about the brewers for the last two seasons are still there and now they're minus josh Hader. The Cardinals, uh, they were a little more aggressive. They added Jose Quintana. They added Jordan Montgomery. Um, you know, they've integrated some players like Nolan Gorman from their minor league system this year, who has been a, a boost at times. So I would give them the edge. But I, I will say this about these two NL Central teams. I think they're worse than the Phillies. I think I think both of these teams, if you said John, you can pick one of these three teams, the Phillies, the Cardinals, or the Brewers, to win you a three-game playoff series. Which one do you pick? I'm picking the Phillies. I mean, it's okay to I just be flat-out wrong. but <laughs> Because this is, this is my thing. The Cardinals have two excellent players, excellent hitters, in Arenado and Goldschmidt. They don't have a pitcher that scares me. They don't have anybody in their bullpen that scares me. They have good players in both of those positions. You know, fine, above-average major leaguers. Nobody scares me. 
the Phillies have starting pitchers where I'm like, okay, I feel confident that they can win me one game. Yeah, they're not a good defensive team, but there are a lot of there are a lot of statistics that suggest they are an average defensive team, not the terrible team that Brendan makes them out to be defensively. And so, given that, given the lineup, hell, Bryce Harper might come back. They've been, you know, in the thick of this playoff race without Bryce Harper. And so, for that reason, for what I see on these two NL Central teams, I would solidly put them behind every single playoff contender in the NL East, including the Phillies. John, would you like to make a wager about how the standings shake out by the end of the season? Yeah, I'd be interested. What's what's the wager? About a loser buys and supports the winner's choice of team for the first round of the playoffs. You buy you buy buys? a shirt, buy a shirt, buy a jersey, buy whatever you want, and uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll make it a big spectacle. We'll we'll share it on a bunch of places. So is is yeah. So is this just so whoever finishes with a better record? That's what I would say. But okay, okay. I just want to make sure because because obviously right now they all have the same record. The yep. Brewers, yep. Cardinals, and Phillies are all fifty eight and forty eight. So I'll, I'll even oh, what a day to be alive. I'll even, but, take, I'll even take the Brewers out of it. I'll just say that the Cardinals finished with a better record. Well, than well hold on. How about how about I'll join in with the Brewers. Just for okay. the just for the hell of it, Eric's okay. running in with the Brewers, <laughs> just to make it even more confusing. Okay, so the winner the winner the winner the chooses the other two. Is that correct? I think so. All right, that sounds fair. All right, yeah. So again, this, just to be clear, this is for the wild card round of the playoffs. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to make sure. Well, wait, I just wanted wait, to make wait, sure wait. because I'm, clearly the Phillies weren't winning their division, which is a possibility no, 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 no. for best the, best the, record at the end of the regular season. Phillies, Brewers, oh, Cardinals. Yes. That's it. All right, let's do it. All right. Well, I don't. I don't really have anything to add then, because I think that that speaks for itself from my end. But um, that's fine because you get to take us away with the uh, close it out with the NL West. Yeah, I mean NL West. Look, we we all know that this is the Dodgers division. Nobody's catching them. Not even the Padres who just added Juan Soto. If they were anywhere closer than thirteen and a half games out, maybe we would have a discussion. But still, I don't think so. The Dodgers have a plus two seventeen run differential as of recording this. They're currently on a six-game win streak. They just beat the Padres yesterday. I mean, look, this isn't this isn't anything exciting to me. I think the addition of Juan Soto makes the Padres exciting come playoff time because it almost ensure it gives them the highest odds of ensuring them a playoff series against these Dodgers, in which we've I, I've been well documented saying anything can happen in a playoff series. The better team is not always going to win. That's why you play the games. But the point of this is to set it up that the series is not going to be super in favor of the better team, the Dodgers in this case. So have the Padres put themselves in a position where come a seven-game series with the Dodgers, they're, yeah, they're, they're not the favorites to win the seven-game series, but they're, they're a lot closer than most of the other teams in the league? I would say yes. If I had to pick any team in the NL to win a series against the Dodgers, I would probably take the Padres at this point. And that's not just because of the addition of Juan Soto or of the addition of Josh Bell. I think getting Josh Hader to shore up the back of that bullpen is a massive add, and it's being a little bit overshadowed by the fact that Josh Hader hasn't been pitching super well lately, and because they added Juan Soto and Josh Bell, obviously. But I think the Padres would beat 
the Mets, would beat the Braves, would beat the Cardinals, would beat the Brewers, would beat the Phillies in a seven-game series. They would be favored. So they're going to get their shot at the Dodgers, I believe, and it's going to be quite the series because, yeah, the Dodgers should win. But will they? It's not, it's not cut and dry for me as it would be with a lot of the other teams in the NL against the Dodgers. So obviously there's not a whole lot to talk about. The Dodgers win the division. The Padres will be a wild card team. The question is, will they be a one seed? Will they be the two seed? That's kind of a race between them and the the Braves. Um, Giants, you know, they started out okay. They still have a, pl- a positive run differential, which is interesting being four games below 500. But I, I mean, they're far enough out of it that I don't think they're going to make a push. Diamondbacks and Rockies, same old, same old. You know, they're both not very good at all. And being in this division, you have to be a lot better than not very good at all to be anywhere near 500 like the Giants are. So I I don't really have anything else to say other than I'm looking forward to the playoffs where the Padres and Dodgers are going to make some noise. So, and I only am half kidding when I say this, should the Giants, Rockies, and Diamondbacks just all give up? Like not not just this year, like for the foreseeable future. I, Should they just I, give I, up? I, I mean, I'm only half kidding when I answer this, but yes, <laughs> because it's going to play out a lot better for these teams if they push their championship window back a couple of years. Hope that Juan Soto doesn't stay in the in their division, and ideally time it up so that they can try to catch the aging Dodgers, although we all know how this story plays out, the Dodgers will just retool with more money. So, I mean, yeah, I don't think that now is probably the best time to be timing up your prospects to be hitting the major leagues and hoping to go for it because, bad news, the best you're going to do in this division right now is probably third place. No, because it's just clear that the, I think the Dodgers and the Padres are willing to outspend people. Uh, And... They have both also, while increasing their payroll, maintained a strong minor league system. That was one of the reasons that even though the Padres have made all these moves the last couple of years for Manny Machado, Eric Hosmer, Blake Snell, you Darvish, etc., while they, while they were still able to add someone like Juan Soto. So that's why I was just saying, like, should these teams legitimately say, Let's go full Orioles and just give up <laughs> for three years. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have too much to add. I mean, one of the reasons why we randomize this order is to kind of hear a different take on this division. So it's kind of refreshing to hear Brendan elaborate uh, how this division outlook is. I guess my, my one uh, question is, I guess, so Brendan alluded to that the uh, Padres should be the team that the Dodgers are most scared of. Um, I guess as a Dodgers fan, I am particularly most scared of the Braves team still because they've been the one that's been um, nagging at them in the postseason for for ages. So to John, I think, who do you think the Dodgers should be most scared of in the NL as kind of the barrier of entry to the World Series? The Mets. The Phillies, I dare you. Say the Phillies. No, the Mets. (laughs) I don't don't think this is hard. The Mets have a good lineup. Pete Alonso has taking himself back to his rookie of the year level, if not a little bit above that. Lindor's hitting again. And we can't know for sure because nothing is ever for sure with Jacob deGrom and his health. But you're telling me that having a Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom, one-two punch against any team doesn't get you excited? Because no, it sure com- gets me excited. Completely agree. I think the issue for me 
you know, this is pretty fresh after the trade deadline. Issue for me is that the Mets didn't really do anything to help their bullpen. You know, there's not that bridge from the gap of Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer to Edwin Diaz. It's just, can we hold on in the seventh and eighth inning? And I don't think Max Scherzer is the kind of guy in the playoffs anymore that you can hope gives you seven or eight innings, and then you can just put Edwin Diaz in. And I don't know that we can say the same about Jacob deGrom yet, as we've only seen him pitch once since coming off the IL. So will these guys be good enough to win games on their own? Yeah, probably. But are they good enough to do that every single start they have in the playoffs? I don't know. And if they only give you five or six good innings against the Dodgers – I find it hard to believe that the Mets bullpen holds it down until they get to Edwin Diaz in the night. That's that's true for pretty much everyone in the NL, though, right? Any, yes. Anyone who's chasing oh, the Dodgers, I mean, 100%. right? Like, 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 the Mets have a couple of good starting pitchers and an elite closer. The Braves, I think, have the, the best bullpen of the group, but I don't think they have an elite closer, which, you know, maybe balances those scales. No, I, I agree so, with you completely, and that's... That's the exact reason I have the Dodgers alone in Tier 1, and I have the Padres, Mets, and Braves all toward the top of Tier 2. Which is fair. Which is fair. I love that we all pick different teams from Tier 2 to be the most dangerous team. I just can't wait to make John wear, like, a Yankees uniform or something. In the play in the wait, th- wait, this includes teams not in the bet? Well, of course. I get to pick what team you wear. <laughs> ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Let him know, John. This utter disappointment is showing <laughs> He regrets it. He can sense the, the, the regret coming through. No, no, I, I, I still feel fine. I just was, like, envisioning in my mind that uh, it would be, like, I have to wear a Philly sh- or I have to wear a Brewers or a Cardinals shirt. I didn't, I didn't think about the grander scope of things. Well, maybe I'll be nice and let you wear Cardinals for the wild card series, but maybe I okay. won't. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It's a shame. The it's can ah that's confusing because neither the Cubs <laughs> nor the Giants are likely to be in the playoffs. See, well, you could still make us wear that shirt. It doesn't have to be a playoff team. Oh well, <laughs> what? That, that seems sort of out of the spirit of the bet. That just seems like I mean, maybe, I I'm know. just saying this. The landscape is wide open. You can do with it whatever you uh, wish. If you win. that's that's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, I'll pick a minor league team for you guys. Oh, some of the minor league teams have really cool stuff though. <laughs> all right but <laughs> before we get completely off track that has been uh the latest episode of line them up with regard to the mlb season check back for more in a couple of weeks most likely uh sometime around either the end of august beginning of september we should have another episode of mlb and also be on the lookout for some football content as we get closer and closer to NFL season we do plan on having weekly football content um, both before the NFL season starts and during the NFL season so big sure to check back for that uh, for my two co-hosts I have been John boys let's close this out happy to be back happy to be back in the room with you boys it's always fun yeah to you as well listeners join us back at the table again it's it's been a good great time all right we'll see you in the next episode